For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Is it March already? I, I feel like, you know, our whole global nightmare began March of 2020. Here we are, a year later. It feels like the longest March of all time, but we're right back to where we were. Things looking a lot better than they did 12 months ago, but... Still a long way to go. Feeling a lot better about things. Hopefully you are too. I know one thing we're not feeling better about is the play of our beloved hockey team. Burgundy and Blue did not have the greatest of nights the other day. We'll talk about that. And a lot more to go through. Hopefully, brighter days are to come for this hockey team because I can't take much more of these six-goal games. Whether we're winning them, whether we're losing them, again, I'll say we're till the cows come home. This is just a lot to take in. Hopefully spring is here and it's going to bring a new for us and everything will start to look a lot brighter. On that note, we welcome you in to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Eric Pesolano. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Eric underscore Pesolano. It's the same handle on both. And check this out. I can't believe I did this, but I did. Head on over to TikTok. You can follow me there as well. Eric Pesolano is the username. You can check me out there also. You know, it's a great marketing tool. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people are on there. The kids love it. Maybe we can get more people interested in hockey. Who knows? We'll post some clips from the show on there too. Hopefully you like what we got coming up for you. So a lot coming up on the show here today, of course. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to talk about the four games from last week. We will recap all of that action. We'll take a look ahead also to the next week coming up. Four more games for Colorado as they head into Wednesday evening. They'll run it back with the Sharks and then, of course, have two against Anaheim before beginning Monday next week against the Arizona Coyotes. So, the good news is that first game against Anaheim will be at home at Ball Arena. It'll be the first of a nine-game homestand for the Avalanche, something that I'm sure they're very much looking forward to. Yes, it means there's going to be a lot more road games coming up as well, but nine home games in a row, it's going to be good to be at home. They need it right now. Let's be honest. They need to be in a familiar territory for a while and get things back on the right track. It's so weird to talk about a team being a little bit off when they're 11-7-1, and one. that's a winning record. That's pretty good. But we all know it from watching this team play that that's not good enough and that it could be so much better right now. We'll dig into that a little bit later on. But I'll tell you one thing that was good to see this week, watching the Vegas Golden Knights the other night. Good to see fans getting back into the arenas across the National Hockey League. Of course, a few teams started the year being able to host a small percentage of fans in their venues, but now it's starting to become a sight seen more widely across the league, which is great to see. I know a lot of teams taking the proper health and safety precautions for everybody in attendance, and we're getting to that time where 
it's time to get back and, and watch your favorite team take to the ice. And this isn't just in the NHL. I'm talking about over all sports also. The NBA opening up a little bit more. We've seen that. We know spring training for Major League Baseball is starting to get underway. And they've had fans in the ballpark. Of course, that's an outdoor sport. So things are a little bit different with how that's going to be run. But great to see people in the stands and, and getting back into the arenas that we've missed so dearly over this last year plus. The one thing that is continuing, however, even in places where there are fans, is we're still pumping in fan noise. I, I brought this up early on in one of our first episodes. Yeah, it's distracting a little bit because we know it's not real. We know it's fabricated and that it's being pumped in there really for television purposes. It seems weird because we know nobody's really there. It's still coming in now to supplement what we're hearing from the fans. I think that's mostly to prevent from hearing individual fans voice their opinions during the game and trying to drown them out a little bit, but it's going pretty well for the most part right now. So, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later that'll that'll be gone and we can get back to hearing natural noise from the arenas. It didn't bother me. I'm there to watch the game. Nothing's going to really throw me off. I'm mostly focusing on listening to the broadcasters anyway. Love listening to Moj and McNabb talk about the team every night watching the games on altitude and even when the games are not on altitude and on national television on say NBC Sports Network it's nice to listen to the broadcasters I'm a broadcaster I love listening to them I know everybody's got mixed opinions about listening to our play-by-play guys call games in in all sports but for me that's the way it's it's gonna be I want to hear what they have to say whether I agree with it or not I love to hear what they have to say and I want to hear their opinion on all matters And I also want to hear how they call the game too, which is the most important thing. I can't do the mute thing. Look, when I was little and I was first learning how to call a game and do play-by-play, muting the TV killed me. But it was nice that I could call it myself. Then it got to a point where I was just calling it over them anyway. I really didn't have to mute the TV. So I I do like listening to them. And I wish everybody would do the same. I know everybody's irritated with X, Y, and Z commentator. But, you know, it's not an easy job. It really isn't. You might think it is. There's a lot of prep work that goes into it behind the scenes. Give them a chance. If you don't like it, then turn it off. And I know a lot of you are doing that already. And you don't need to go back and listen and hear what they have to say. But it's a tough job. I respect it. I do it myself. So that's my two cents on that. Getting back to that original point, though. Great to see fans getting back into the arena and heckling the officials and the visiting teams, as it were. We're now getting back to where we need to be. Still a long way to go, but of course we have to take the small steps necessary to get back. All right, let's take a look at the games from last week. Four of them on the docket. Of course, the Avs played the Wild, then Arizona twice, and San Jose this past Monday evening. We'll start with the, I don't want to say it's the worst of the two losses, but it was not good. That was the game against Minnesota at Ball Arena that occurred last Wednesday. Pretty good start for the team in that one. I I thought they came out of the gate looking good, but for some reason, and it looks like a trend this whole year, they get off to a good start and they just can't score. They'll zip around the opposition. They look like they're passing it pretty well. Are they organized? They're not terribly organized on the ice. Things do look like they're a little bit off, but they're still zipping around everybody. They just can't score. These goaltenders are there making good plays. Defenses look all right. And it's just one thing here and there, and you can't get... You can't get on the board. And we, we saw that with, with Capo Kakinen for Minnesota early. He was there making the saves needed to to keep that game scoreless. Phil Grubauer was doing his thing. He continues to shine for this team this season in this game. And then 
you get the penalty on Miko Rantanen for tripping Kirill Kaprizov, which was killed off, and it was good. It kind of pulled some momentum back away from Minnesota. And then Zuccarello, from an absolutely impossible angle, is able to beat Phil Grubauer after that three-on-one break. Great news here for Matt Zuccarello. 400th point for him in his career, the most by a Norwegian in the history of the National Hockey League. Big congrats to him. But that second half of the period was all wild. There really wasn't any two ways about it. And they ended that first frame with a one nothing lead out shooting the Avs 11-9. They did not out-hit the Avs, though. Only 3-2 in the hits category. We'll talk about the hitting uh, after we finish up these recaps. Because the Avs just they haven't done it this year. Faceoffs were even at 9 after that initial period. We mentioned Minnesota did not score on their first power play attempt. So one nothing wild after 1 in that one. We go to the second period. Avs look good again. They come out, look okay. They get a couple of power plays. Greenway had that slashing call against Gerard, but nothing doing for the Avs on a struggling power play now. Zuccarello gets called for hooking a little bit later on. There was a scrum in front, and Rantanen couldn't quite poke it through Kakinen, who made another good save. McKinnon had a shot also, and that one was gloved down by Kakinen. Slight screen in front, which is something I think this team needs to do a better job of, getting traffic in front of the net. The weird thing about it with them is, when they do get a screen, whoever's up top, getting ready to take that shot, is almost afraid to let it go because they think it's going to get blocked, whether it's a teammate or a defender who gets in the way. Take the shot. Good things happen when you throw it at the net. When it's all said and done, two failed power plays for the Avalanche to start that second period. They do finally get a goal. Taves and Gerrard set up JT Comfer. Fantastic snipe. And finally, JT is off the schneid. He gets himself a goal after ending a long streak. Avs tie it up at one. Kale McCarr shows off some good moves. Did get a little too cute there in the middle. Elected not to pull the trigger. Probably had a little bit of space, but wanted to make one final move, and that's what did him in in the end. And then, you know, a few minutes later, Minnesota comes right back. Zach Parise has that huge slapper off the Dumba Pass. 800th point of Zach Parise's career. Another milestone reached. We're going to have a whole segment on milestones a little bit later on, because there have been a lot over the last couple of weeks, be it for Colorado or against Wild go back on the power play after Byram's called for tripping. And at this point in the game, with Minnesota up 2-1, to one, you can sense it's really starting to sway in Minnesota's favor. Although Nichushkin was able to draw a hooking call, we go 4-on-4. Four four. Avs get a short power play. They didn't do anything. It was a whole mess. And in that short period of time, Felino gets that shorthanded goal. And you can see everything is falling apart. Even the officials getting in to the game with that screen on Nazem Kadri, and it's just a disastrous end of the period. Avs go to the locker room after 40 minutes, down 3-1. to one. Still out-shooting Minnesota. Matter of fact, increased their shot lead to 4 after the end of two periods. Hits were even in the second frame. Face-offs were pretty even. Neither team scored on the power play. Avs 0-3 in that frame and allowed a shorthanded goal. This power play unit is just an absolute disaster. And then the third period starts... Ian Cole gets called for tripping. Welcome back against the Avs there, Mr. Cole, again. And the Avs get a power play goal. How about that? Nazem Kadri gets the goal from Kale McCarr. And for Kale, getting the helper on that play. Fifth quickest to 50 assists in the history of the National Hockey League. Took him 71 games. Only four players in that defensive position were able to do it quicker. After that, Ranton gets a few opportunities, but it almost looks like no matter what he does, it doesn't work. And he's losing a little bit of confidence at this point. You turn around, Minnesota goes bang-bang. Hartman scores on the assist from Kaprizov. Kaprizov had that brilliant spin off the defender and just backhanded it right on the money to Hartman, who was cutting back door. And he was able to basically skate in just around a sleepwalking 
Bowen Byram. That wasn't good. That's going to be one of those learning moments for the kid who just got caught sleeping in a real bad time. And then Sturm gets himself onto a breakaway. He beats Grubauer clean right between the legs. And at that point, you know that this thing is just going to get way out of control. And it did. As Sturm then netted a empty netter from 130 feet away. While the Avs went with the empty net down three with 3.15 left. And why not? It was a very Patrick Waugh thing to do for Colorado. But down three, you might as well see what you can do. And that's pretty much the first time, and I can't tell you how long, that Grubauer got a rest. Outside from getting a night off, which hadn't happened in a while, he finally got some time to sit down. Three whole minutes. But it was a much worse night than the game before for Colorado, and they lose their second game in a row for the first time this season. They hadn't lost two games in a row all year to this point. They picked a heck of a time to do it. 6-2 to two, your final score as the Wild take down the Avs. Colorado outshoots Minnesota 31-25 in the game, outhits them 13-10, beats them in face-offs 30-29, just over that 50% mark, and was even better on the power play. One for four on the night. They scored on their only chance in that third period. Minnesota 0 for 2 in the game. They didn't have a power play in the third period, which might be the only thing that was good for Colorado was special teams in that third period. They scored on their only power play, and they didn't commit a penalty. What are the odds? Unfortunately, they were down by two goals when it all happened, and it didn't really much matter. So the Wild win, we move on. Avs, at the time, dropped to 10-6-1 on the year. So we move on to Friday evening when they took on the Arizona Coyotes out in the desert. Another milestone reached here. Burakovsky, 400th career game for him, and a little bit of a change to Annette Hunter Miska, who hadn't been on the roster the previous few games, gets called up. Werner goes back down to the taxi squad. Miska comes up. He gets the start. Aiden Hill gets the start for the Arizona Coyotes in what ended up becoming the most unpredictable goalie matchup of the season. <laughs> I don't know that these two guys would ever match up against each other ever again, just based on rotations and luck of the draw with backup netminders being hurt or a place on COVID lists, or whatever. These two get to square off, and Phil Grubauer gets a much-deserved night off. Big concern in this one was Matt Calvert getting scratched very, very late moments before puck drop with an upper body injury, which was later deemed to be a lower body injury, so we still don't know what the heck is going on with him. We really hope it has nothing to do with his concussion history. Of course, he's wearing that tinted visor and all to try to help those symptoms as well. So we wish him the best, but we haven't seen him since. Right out of the gate, Avs go on the power play. Shikrin called for slashing Kale McCarr, but this power play just remains ice cold. I know they scored on their last one against Minnesota, but they were trailing at that time and really didn't look like they were going to get any momentum out of it anyway. couple chances on this power play, they still can't score. And Aiden Hill looks like he could win a Vezina. It's all these goaltenders against the Avalanche who apparently think they're the greatest thing that's ever happened. And you know what? They've played like it against this team. Which... You know, I guess if you're the favorites in the preseason, everybody knows there's a target on that team's back and they want to go after him and give it their best. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. So Hill looks good early. Arizona goes to the power play after a tripping call. Defense looked like they took a step back again, which they had been playing somewhat well over the first part of that period. But the penalty kill continues to be stellar and they're able to kill it off. Avs go on a power play. Another hooking call this time against Arizona. A little hesitant to shoot. Uh, again, it goes back to me talking about that wild game where 
there was an abundance of blocked shots before they went on the power play, so they were trying to pick and choose their shots. They were a little bit more selective and ended up costing them. They did give up another shorthanded chance, which is starting to be a problem, but they did not score, nor did they allow a goal. Abs at this point won for their last 22 on the man advantage. That has got to change. My goodness. Turnover in front of the crease after the penalty was over. Hunter Miska turning into Phil Grubauer by bailing out the team. Then we see Landeskog and Garland both go off for roughing. We have a four-on-four four near the end of the period. Then Schmaltz took a hooking call against Rantanen. So it was four-on-three for Colorado near the end of the period. They started the second frame on the man advantage in a scoreless game. But it really looked like they were going to dominate this thing from this point going forward once all those penalties start to happen. So they started the frame on the power play. Colorado does end up scoring eventually. Miko Rantanen able to bury a loose puck in front. Kadri got that. Big McKinnon rebound and slid it over to Miko. Eighth goal of the year for Rantanen. That was the play where you saw Miko really choke up on the stick. And credit to Peter McNabb for pointing it out on the Altitude broadcast. Getting a lot more leverage on the stick. Almost leaning on it. To the point where you could snap it. You've seen it happen in face-off circles before. But he choked way up on it. Had his hand all the way down where the blade meets the shaft. And is able to control that puck and get all of it in front to make sure he's able to bury it. And not get stoned once again because that seems to be happening a lot to this offense as the season has progressed. Sot had a pretty good pass to Kadri in front after the goal. Hill was able to slide over and make a great stop. We saw that a lot with Marc-Andre Fleury in the Vegas series. And then we saw it a little bit with Kakinen in that game against Minnesota. Now here comes Hill, a guy nobody knows about doing the same stuff to the Avalanche. And he, he played well even though he gave up that goal early on in that second period. Coyotes went to a power play after Bo Byram was called for slashing. He seems like he's taking a slight step back after looking pretty decent in his first few games, getting a lot more ice time. Penalty kill, though, still looks fantastic. Miko Rantanen, after they killed it off, took a high stick, no call. Shocker, the officials don't give Colorado a penalty that occurred. But overall, it was a much better period. But again, not a ton to show for it. They got the one goal, which was decent, well executed, and they were able to score. You feel like they could have had three or four in the period. They end up with only one. So they lead one nothing going to that third period, which turned into a sloppy start to those final 20 minutes. This is when Bo Byron finally got into his first career fight. Give him credit. He did not back down from Kajula. He did not win this fight. <laughs> but he did not back down from a longtime NHL veteran. So good for him for finally getting into a scrap. And that kind of woke the team up just a little bit. Burakovsky... Had that snipe between a couple of defenders from Kadri and Rantanen. That made it 2 nothing Avs. Not too long later, Kadri goes 5-hole on Hill to make it 3 to nothing as he split a couple of Coyotes. Fell down to a knee, got back up. Got that pass away to Kadri, did Makar. That one was pretty also. Avs with a big lead, you feel pretty good about it. And then you remember that Arizona was down 3 nothing twice to Anaheim the previous couple games. And they didn't give up in those two and came back and beat the Ducks 4-3 to three both times. So this is where you got to be careful. Nate McKinnon had a nice breakaway, was able to beat Hill clean too, but he rung it off the post. All right, we got to have a post counter somewhere. It's got to be in the mid-20s at this point. It just feels like every great move that he makes, he's banging it off the post. And it's not just him either. Seems to be going all the way around the club. And then Tyson Jost had an opportunity, which from point-blank range, he fired it right into Hill's chest. Still couldn't make it 4 and then this is where things get a little bit hairy. Arizona comes back. Phil Kessel, in the middle of a scrum, is able to bury it. And it ruins the shutout for Hunter Miska. Could have been his first career shutout. Hill gets pulled 
after that first goal. So it's 3-1 at this point. Colorado leads. Extra attacker on. And Kajula on the backside in traffic with that extra attacker is able to score. And it's 3-2. And now Coyotes fans are thinking, we're going to do this three games in a row. Yeah, well, not so much this time. While it was nail-biting time for the Avalanche, they were able to hold off the Coyotes in the end. They win it 3-2. And honestly, not a ton to do for Miska during the evening. He stopped 16 of 18. It wasn't the greatest of performances when it was all said and done. It was a good performance. He just didn't have to do a whole lot. And letting those two in late really almost came back to bite him. They were out in this game 26-23 to the Coyotes, but dominated the face-off circle 34-24 there. They were 1-for-3 on the power play. Arizona was 0-for-2, so penalty kill looking good. Avs looking okay, getting a, a win over an Arizona team that should have been dominated. We saw them do it in the postseason last year. And going into this one, the first meeting of the year between these two teams, Avs hold on, get it done. Let's go to three stars for this one. Of course, it was a victory. Number three star, I did give it to Miska. He only stopped 16 of 18. He didn't have to do a whole lot, but I would say at least seven or eight of those were big-time stops that needed to happen to keep the game close. So he's the third star. Miko Rantanen, a goal and assist. He is the number two star in that game. And Nazem Kadri, a three-point night for him. How could he not get the number one star in the game? A goal and two assists for him. Look at Kel McCarr, and we know the issues they've been having defensively with this team, playing 12 so far this season, which ties them, I think, for the lead in the National Hockey League by the time I was recording this podcast but Kale played 26 minutes, 54 seconds, almost 27 minutes of ice time for Kale in this game. And it was all necessary to get this one done. Andre Burakovsky also ended an eight-game goal drought in this game. Avs needed the victory. And then, you know, they got the back-to-back. So the next night, they've got Arizona again. Dan Renov comes in. He is the 12th Avalanche defenseman to play this season. That number I was talking about a second ago. It's the second career game for Dan. Uh, he played one four years ago with the Red Wings, but he had to be pushed into the lineup because now Kale McCarr was listed out, and he's day-to-day. He has not played since that first game against Arizona. Other notes going into this one, we talked about how they've had to shuffle around the defense. The Avalanche defensemen have accounted for 29.9% of the points scored this season, which is the highest in the NHL. Yes, 11 of them have played to this point. But for them to all contribute and find a way to produce, yes, a lot of it are Makar assists, but still, everybody's stepping up and doing what they need to do. Sammy Gerard getting in there, of course. We know every now and again he's going to become a factor, so kudos to this unit that's been banged up and shuffled around so much this year for getting the job done. Another note coming into this second game against Arizona, fewest shots allowed per game of any team In the NHL, the Avalanche giving up just 26.1 shots per game. It was a tenth of a shot allowed per game less than the Boston Bruins. So another nice stat. But to start the game, Arizona came out a little bit more organized. Looked like they'd learned a lot from the night before. Grubauer comes out, gets the start, makes some great saves. It almost seems like the defense plays better without him there. Like they know he's going to help bail them out. So that's got to be corrected. That's just something I've noticed. You know, they played a lot better with Miska back there. He only had to face 18 shots in the first game of this two-game set. Grubauer comes back, and now Arizona fires the puck on net nine times in the first period, which is half as many shots as they had in the entire game the night before. But Nate McKinnon does get a rocket as he skates by everyone down that left side. They give Burakovsky and Graves the helpers on that one. Fifth of the year for Nate McKinnon. And for Burakovsky, a night after he played in his 400th game, records his 200th point. 
So good weekend for him. And then near the end of the period, Hunt gets called for tripping Gerard. Abs go back on the power play. But Antti Ranta, who started this game for Arizona, he was able to stand tall during that power play, and he stopped McKinnon cold twice. He had a couple of chances there, looking for his second of the period. And the power play ended up rolling over into the second frame. Avs led it 1-0 after that opening frame. They were outshot 9-7, out-hit 11-10, but the Avs won the faceoffs 9-8. And of course, officially 0-1 on the power play to end that period, even though it rolled over and continued to the second. Miko had a pretty good chance on that power play, and he fired it right off, guess what, the post, who is enemy number eight this year for this team, right? Seven opponents in the West. Number eight would be all the red posts they keep hitting. But it seems like every time they get in front of the net, and this happened early on in the period, they toss it around in front of the cage and still can't find a way to get it in. Ranta makes pretty good save, and uh, the rebound caused a little bit of chaos in front, but really didn't matter because Colorado didn't score, and that seems to be a trend. Coyotes get back-to-back power plays after Belmar's called for hooking. Penalty kill unit gets the job done, able to kill it off, but then Saad gets called for holding. And at this point in time, you can see some breaks being had, and I think it's probably the benefit of being pretty good on the penalty kill, that you finally get something going for you, that a lot of posts were being hit in one single scrum. I think they hit the post twice during that power play on the same scrum in front of the net. And the Avs kill off yet another power play. But then too many men on the ice for the Coyotes. So the Avalanche go on the power play. And they do absolutely nothing. And the power play woes continue. Clayton Keller is able to tie it up in the middle of that frame too. How about that goal by Clayton Keller? Jelmerson with the pass right into the middle. Keller lifting the left leg up off the ice. Putting the stick between the legs. Catching a piece. Perfect redirect to get by Grubauer. You don't really get much more talented than that. So... Nice play for him. Not a nice play for Nachushkin, who couldn't clear the puck. Another turnover in the defensive end. Ends up a goal for the opponent. But the Avs do come right back. Jacob McDonald wraps around from behind the net. Gets it to go off the inside of Ranta's leg. Second career goal for McDonald, but his first with the Avalanche in Colorado. Evens up the score in that second period with both teams scoring a goal. But they end the frame with a 2-1 lead in the game. Headed to the third period. And again absolutely dominating the shot totals after being outshot in that first period. 20 shots to 6 in that middle frame against the Coyotes. Avs now had a 27-15 shot advantage through two periods, but getting wildly out-hit 10-1 in that second frame. Physicality, certainly not a strong point for this team, and that's one area you miss Nikita Zadorov, and I'm not going to go into all that because we know the trade-off was the right thing to do. So let's just stop that right now. I'm just making a point that a little bit of the physicality was traded so they could get Brandon Saad. Just, we'll we'll leave it alone. We'll leave it alone. Avs get a power play to start that third period. Ekman Larson gets called for tripping. The Avs eventually score a goal with Gabe Landeskog chopping away at all those rebounds in front of the crease after Miko Rantanen put it on target. And with that goal, the 202nd of Gabe's career tied Peter Forsberg for third all-time in team history. So kudos to him. Still one more game left to go this week. Could he move into third all by himself? If you're listening to this right now, you know the answer. Tyson Jost gets robbed. He still can't find his first goal of the year. And still just absolutely snake-bitten. This kid doing all he can. He's been great defensively. Could find himself in the running for the Selkie Trophy by the time the year is over. Who knows? I don't vote on this stuff. 
Maybe he'll get a shot at it, but my goodness, can we get this kid a goal? Don's Coey is able to score in the slot. A little mini three-on-one in front from Nachushkin and Gerard. Turnover in the neutral zone for Arizona, and boy, will those kill you. And then a little bit later, Tyson Jost finally gets off the schneid. He scores after Miko Rantanen finds him in the middle for almost a replay of the Donskoy goal, really. It looked like the same exact play, just different jersey numbers out there. And Tyson Jost finally gets his first of the year. Avs start to break it wide open. It's 5-1. to one. And then Larson is able to score one that goes off of Saad's stick. It's another own goal for Colorado, makes it 5-2. And then Belmar gets an empty net goal for good measure because for some reason the Coyotes thought they'd pull the goalie with not a whole lot of time left. But whatever, Avs win it 6-2. There's that score again. Outshooting the Coyotes 41-24 in this one. And for our three stars, Nate McKinnon, he'll be number three with a goal. Sam Gerrard with his two assists. And the number one star, Jonas Donskoy played a heck of a game. Goal and assist for him. He's my number one. Notes to take away from this game on the positive. Avs stayed out of the box. That was big. Only two power plays allowed. It killed them both off. Didn't have to do any of that work in the third period. Defense looked great. Offense woke up. You thought they'd carry it over into the next one. Because, you know, sometimes you just got to play a team who's a little bit of a lesser caliber to try to get you really pumped up. And then you get three of those in a row, right? Arizona, Arizona, then San Jose. And then you have the game on Monday night against San Jose. And I'm really getting sick and tired of doing this podcast after a loss. I'll tell you that right now. This trend has got to end. So we go out to San Jose SAP Center on Monday night. Bo Byram's out. Upper body injury for him. Connor Timmons back in the lineup. We expect that Devon Taves and Sam Girard were going to play big minutes because of that. So the defenseman, again, the patchwork continues. And they just have to overcome it and find a way to stay in the top four to get to the playoffs. I can't believe I just said that. Find a way to stay in the top four to get to the playoffs. A team that was the shoe-in to be a Stanley Cup favorite is now trying to survive the middle portion of this schedule. Ugh. Oh, it hurts just thinking about it. Anyway, Avs get a power play real early. Skanizhov gets called for holding just a minute 46 seconds in. First half of that power play was just an absolute disaster. They couldn't even get into the Sharks' zone. The Sharks team very aggressive on the penalty kill. They like to swarm you, and yes, there might be a pun intended in there, but they're going to make sure that you're going to be very uncomfortable trying to set things up when you're on the power play, and it was successful. They couldn't do anything. First power play goes for not. Logan O'Connor has the chance of a lifetime after Sam Girard was able to get a miracle pass through to him, and he just flat out whiffed it. He just missed the net. Right into the side of the cage it went. Big chance to get out one nothing here. They missed the opportunity. Sharks then go on back-to-back power plays, but again... Going down a man doesn't seem to be a problem for this team this year. They, at this point, after killing off the back end of those two power plays, have killed off 42 of 45 power plays. Or 42 of the last 45 power plays. You gotta hang your hat on that. You cannot be more excited with the way that PK unit is playing, but in the long haul, really all it does is kill time and make sure you don't give one up. It's not really a scoring opportunity. Avs turn it around, they get to go on a power play. After Ferraro gets called for tripping Gerard, sticking that knee out there. And my goodness, is that a dangerous thing to do? Sticking your knee out to trip a guy, whether you do it intentionally or not, is extraordinarily dangerous. You'd think they'd call it maybe not a major, maybe a double minor a little bit more. But they don't because it's the NHL. and These guys are tough. They can get up and keep going. But goodness, those are dangerous. Power play expires, but two seconds after it does, Sam Gerard rips one on the short side. 
brought it back through traffic when he swung around Vlasic. We saw that little nifty move there by number 49. So it's not a power play goal. It's essentially a power play goal because, you know, Ferraro getting out of the box, he's not going to be able to get back into the zone in two seconds. So Avs get that one nothing lead at the end of the first period after Grubauer has to bail out Gerard after that turnover to Marlowe in the neutral zone. And again, Gru doing, doing great on those breakaway opportunities, which there are way too many of. You know, a play like that by, by Gerard turning it over there in the neutral zone. I actually went back and tried to look up some phrases that I find myself yelling at the TV watching this team play. Namely, what are you doing when it's the power play? And, oh no, after turnovers in the defensive zone. That one was in the neutral zone, but you know what I'm talking about. It happens in the defensive zone often enough that it comes out way too, way too much. Way too much. I need to breathe. I need to breathe. Let's go to the second period. Avs up 1-0. They get to go on the power play. True gets called for tripping. And they do get a goal on the power play as the captain gets on the board after Nathan McKinnon fired one on target. Big rebound out front. Gerard gets a secondary assist, his second point of the night. And like I said earlier, spoiler alert, Gabe does get that goal to push him at 2.03 for his career. He is now all by himself in third place in Avalanche history in the goal totals. And with that, actually tied Peter Forsberg also for fourth place in club history in power play goals. They both have 54 now, so the next one's going to put him all by himself in fourth, passing Peter on the list in team history once again. The assist for Nathan McKinnon, as a matter of fact, had him pass Alex Tenge for eighth all-time in team history in helpers. And then a little bit later on, while up to nothing, we saw Samek get that five-hole through Grubauer, his fourth career goal to make it 2-1. to one. Vlasic and Balsers with the helpers. I could say Rudolph's Balsers all day long. I know it's been something to say about on Twitter. Everybody's getting on that Balsers bandwagon. Hashtag that. Make a trend. Bit of a broken play in the middle defensively for Colorado, though, to make it 2-1. to one. Sharks get on the board. They're down one. You feel a little bit of momentum swing here, but you, you still feel pretty good knowing who you're playing. Avs get another power play. They can't do anything. They looked a little bit better. Very organized on this power play in the offensive zone. Zipping it around. Just couldn't find a good lane to shoot. And couldn't break through. So we stay 2-1. to one. True gets a breakaway. Grubauer stopped him cold. Shocking. Lots of breakouts for San Jose in this one. Looked like they were a little bit quicker at times against this Colorado team. Which is not something you see very often. Then McKinnon had that chance where he batted the puck out of midair. And this time Jones... Martin got that left pad out there, was able to knock it away, and this is when you see the luck start to flip in the other direction. Kevin LeBanc able to bury one in front after Comfort just absolutely falls asleep. Burakovsky was there, kind of cruising around, looking like his Xbox controller became disconnected, but nice feed from Kane there in the middle. Couture gets the secondary assist. We're tied at two, go into the third, and this is just, this is when all hell breaks loose. This is just a mess from start to finish. The top line, they couldn't be contained. Avalanche looked completely lost. It was an absolute disaster. Grubauer did all he could. He came up big in huge moments. And then Balsters gets credit for a goal after Kadri knocked it in himself. That's got to be the third own goal this year for this team. It's just getting absolutely ridiculous. And it, you know, is it just because they were the favorites going in or whatever that the jinx just follows you around? That you have to overcome all these ridiculous... Ridiculous circumstances to win a cup. You have to do them in a regular year anyway. Not to mention a shortened year and having to deal with all the injuries and the COVID issues. All of those things happening. But to have all these ridiculous own goals, I I, I, I can't even. 
San Jose goes in the power play. Carlson able to score from the point. Absolute blast through everybody. And it gets through pretty easily. I don't think Grubauer ever saw it. Pretty good screen in front. That made it 4-2. to two. And then I don't know what the heck Phil Grubauer was doing on Leonard when he came in trying to poke check that one away. As soon as he missed, you knew it was a layup. And it was. As Leonard scores to make it 5-2. And at this point, you're saying you're done. I will say this. And this may be very pessimistic of me. But when it was 3-2, to two, I said out loud to my significant other, who, by the way, is from the Bay Area and grew up a massive Sharks fan, so I had to deal with that during the game. I turned to her and I said, y'all are going to win this one 6-2. to two. And this was when it was 3-2. to two, Because it had that feeling things were turning around, and 6-2 to two seems to be some sort of a stupid number that we're hitting over and over again nowadays, whether the Avalanche win the game or not. And for the third time in four games... The score ends up 6-2 to two after Evander Kane slams home an empty net goal on a breakaway to wrap it up. And we get another 6-2 final score, this time on the wrong end once again. So they lose 6-2 against Minnesota. They beat Arizona 6-2 and then lose 6-2 to San Jose. They also beat Arizona 3-2, so the losing team scored exactly two goals in all four games this week. There's a stat that'll help you do absolutely nothing. Uh, of course, not a great performance that entire third period, and it did them in. And it almost becomes a product of not putting a team away through the first 40 minutes. Now, I understand that a game is 60 minutes long, but when you are that much better, or supposed to be that much better than your opponent, and you cannot put them to sleep after 40 minutes, you got an issue. You got an issue brewing on your hands every time you go to that third frame. And that's what we saw in this game against San Jose. And with that loss, the Avalanche have now lost to every team in the division not named Arizona. They still have a perfect record against the Coyotes. They're not going to beat the Coyotes in all eight games they play against them this year. They're 2-0 against Arizona so far. So eventually they're going to fall in one of them. You know, they lost to them in the playoffs last year in one game. They didn't sweep that series either. They won it four games to one. There are positives to take out of everything that happened in these four games over the weekend, even though they split them 2-2 yet again. They're now 11-7-1, not the greatest record they wanted through 19 games. They are fourth place in that Honda NHL West division. They have some games at hand against teams around them in the standings. They are behind Vegas and I believe Minnesota when it comes to games at hand and all those good numbers and whatever. The depth is beginning to step it up. It was one goal for Jost. It was one goal for McDonald. Belmar hadn't scored in a while either. We saw Burakovsky had a drought. We know Burakovsky isn't part of the depth scoring. He's one of the top scorers, and he needs to be. He hasn't been acting like it. I get it. But it's getting to the point where you got to start finding some of these positives, and if those guys are going to step up, Joe's McDonald, Belmar, just to name a few, you got to feel good about yourself. I mentioned earlier, guys lower on the charts who are getting a lot more playing time due to these injuries and the COVID issues, it's going to fare better for the team going forward. And I truly believe that. And maybe it's starting to come to a head. That third period against San Jose was an absolute disaster, but if you take that away... The game is 2-2, two to two, and it's a brand new hockey game. So while that whole period was a nightmare, the rest of the game wasn't a nightmare. It wasn't good, but it wasn't a nightmare. And that's the weird thing about this team. For as poorly as they played, they've been in every single one of these games this year. The opening night against St. Louis was awful. This game against Minnesota to start the week got away from them. And the same thing with San Jose. But if you take away the two this week that they lost, if they had a chance to win both of those games, I don't care what the score tells you. Both of them got away in the third period after a couple of stupid things happened. The game against St. Louis, they were outplayed from start to finish. They didn't deserve to win that, nor did they look like they would at any point in the game, so forget that. 
But every other game, they've been the better team for at least half of the game. It's now going to get to a point, can you finish teams off? And if you can't, that may be the difference between going to the postseason and not. The wide open chances this team are missing with the, the open nets and goaltenders getting over to make those saves, it just means that the trigger isn't being pulled quick enough and there's a little bit of indecisiveness going on with some of these players. And that's got to stop. The confidence level has to go up. The own goals? What on earth? We saw, Byram had one earlier this year. We saw Saad versus Arizona, then Kadri against San Jose. Why are you putting it in your own net? I, I Look, they're not doing it on purpose. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like an idiot here, but all these little things that seem to be unfortunate and just unlucky, you got to have a little puck luck to win the cup. It's not happening for Colorado right now. Just not. So here's where we stand through 19 games and what I'm calling the conclusion of round one through the division. They've now played all seven teams in the division at least twice. They've at least split with six of those seven teams. They have swept Arizona, but they've lost to everybody else. Yes, including Anaheim, San Jose, and LA. And that's why I bring up, is being the favorites a jinx? You come out of the gate, you're the number one favorite to win the Stanley Cup in the offseason. All this talent surrounding you. Big acquisitions coming in with Saad. Burakovsky had been around for a little bit, but he was another big one. The kids are coming up. Makar is now a central focus of this team. He's finally becoming a go-to back there defensively, if not the go-to defensively for this team. That's why they were the favorites coming in. Because of all that. Their performance in the playoff last year in the bubble only exacerbated the idea that this team could win a cup. They couldn't get by Dallas. But once you fine-tune things here and there, that series was very, very close. Goaltending last year, of course, was a mess with Hutchinson having to play a lot of games in the postseason, especially at critical points when that series was wrapping up against Dallas. Little things you clean up, and you're hoisting Lord Stanley. And then this season begins, and a bunch of crazy stuff happens. And you find yourself four games over 500 through almost 20 games. It's got to be a jinx, right? It's got to be a jinx. Or is it going to their head that they're the favorites or whatever? You certainly hope not. But one thing is for sure, they have better start picking it up. Because if they don't, there's only two months and a week left in this regular season. May is going to be here before you know it. And you'd really hate to be two or three points out of that four spot with a week left. Got to be careful. I'm not here to be the doomsday guy. I say I'm that way in my own home privately. On this podcast, I never have been. I feel really good about this team. I felt real great about the team before the game on Monday. I went on one of my buddy's shows. Maybe you've heard of it, the Tyler Kuehl show over on 12 Ounce Sports. Go ahead and check it out. And we talked about this team a little bit. And I told him it's the best I've ever felt about this team since they raised the cup in 2001. Even now, I said how great I felt about this team. This week, I feel really good about the team. I've taken a step back from great, but I feel really good still. So we'll see where we go. A lot of games left to be played. But to this point in the season, 19 games in, you think those little things will be straightened out? They really still haven't been. Let's go to the positive. Let's take a look at some milestones that happened. These are all within the last week, by the way. Numbers in the hundreds being hit this week, like hitting, you know, your next hundred of a milestone. Miko Rantanen played in his 300th game in this past week. We saw Landeskog pull into third in team history 
with his 203rd goal. Burkowski played his 400th game on Friday against Arizona. Also scored his 200th point of his career on Saturday against the Coyotes. Kel McCarr became the fifth fastest player in NHL history to reach 50 assists by a defenseman. He did it in 71 games in the game against Minnesota. On the other side, a couple of Wild hit some milestones as well. Zach Parise, 800th career point, did that against the Avalanche in that game on Wednesday. He is now fourth all-time among U.S.-born players in points. How about that? Zach Parise. Congratulations to him. That's one heck of a milestone. And we talked about Matt Zuccarello, who got his 400th point against the Avs in that game on Wednesday as well. Most among Norwegian-born players in the history of this league. I remember watching Matt's in the Winter Olympics. I want to say it was in 2014. I think it was the Sochi Olympics. Watching him skate around for Norway and thinking, might be able to make it over here. Next thing you know, he's got a contract, and here he is. He's played for a couple teams since he's come over here to the States, but he's been very serviceable and put together a nice little career here. 400 points, I'd say so. So really milestone central when you think about it in the National Hockey League last week, and that was just avalanche and wild players. We tend to focus on this West Division when we talk about this team because that's where our focus remains. We'll talk about outside the league a little bit. Matter of fact, we will at the end of the show here today. But that's a lot for just two teams, I'll tell you that right now. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Eric Pesolano. Don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. Follow along with what we're doing over there. Got some polls that get posted a couple times a week. Talk about your answers and the results on this show. Give us your thoughts about the show as well. You can share them there, or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Eric underscore Pesolano. I want to hear your thoughts as well. And now you can follow me over on TikTok. Eric Pesolano is the username. Find me over there. Let me know your thoughts about the show. We'll talk more about the team as we go along. Let's take a look at the week coming up. Four more games for Colorado, which tends to be a theme, especially with how many games they have left that have to be crammed into a short period of time. They'll play four more. They're at San Jose Wednesday night. And then they're going to come back home for nine consecutive games at Ball Arena. Friday and Saturday will be against the Anaheim Ducks, and Monday against the Arizona Coyotes. Those will be the four this week before our next show. We will recap those four and talk about where we stand once they complete that game against the Coyotes. As we wrap things up here today on Episode 8 of Believe in Avalanche, thanks for sticking around, by the way, for eight episodes. It's been fun doing this here these first two months. Let's take a look around the league. Lots of good stuff going on. A lot of firsts. It was a big week for first-timers. A few of these happened more than a week ago. Matter of fact, one of them, one or two of them were a month ago. But big week for first-timers. Let's take a look at the Anaheim Ducks. Trevor Zegras, highly touted prospect. We saw him play for Team USA in the World Junior Championships and light that tournament on fire. Well, he got to touch the ice for the first time February 22nd. For the Ducks, didn't make a ton of noise on the ice, getting his sea legs under him, but good to see him and his family too. I think that game was against Arizona, so fans were allowed in the building at Gila River Arena and got to see their kid play in his first career game, getting called up from the San Diego Gulls to take to the ice. Another big milestone for the Anaheim Ducks, Isaac Lundestrom got his first career hat trick against the Blues the other day, a game that Anaheim was down and almost made... A huge comeback. They ended up losing 5-4, but they trailed by multiple goals a few times in that one. For the Blues, 
in the game on Monday. Same game, Lundestrom got that hat trick. Dakota Joshua got his first career goal for the St. Louis Blues. He's the 17th player in St. Louis Blues history to score in his NHL debut. Outside of the West Division, how about this? Up in Vancouver, Thatcher Demko got his first career shutout on Monday. Congratulations to him. Also in that Scotiabank North Division, Montreal head coach Dominique Ducharme debuted on Thursday. It was a loss, but, you know, finally got to coach for, obviously, the most storied club in the history of this league. And you look over into the Mass Mutual East Division, Jack Studnika, and this was one that happened way back on January 21st, but he scored his first career goal for the Boston Bruins. And get this, for as good as the Bruins have been, remember they started that year with a very long drought of scoring a goal 5-on-5. Well, Studnika was the one who got the first 5-on-5 goal of the year for the Bruins. It was on January 21st. It also was his first career goal. And then coming back into the West Division, Caleb Addison debuted for the Minnesota Wild on February 20th. Had a plus 2 in that game for the Wild. Lots of firsts this week in the NHL. Congratulations to all those gentlemen who are really at the beginning of their NHL careers at their positions And hopefully you have a long and prosperous career yourselves. Well, that's going to do it for us today on Believe in Avalanche. Don't forget to go follow all the social media accounts at Believe in Avs on Twitter, at Eric underscore Pesolano on Twitter and Instagram, and Eric Pesolano over on TikTok. They will all be very, very heavily focused on the National Hockey League, mostly your Colorado Avalanche. Thank you so much for being here. We can't wait to talk to you next week. Hopefully the Avs can once again, like we hope for every week, grab eight points out of a possible eight in their four games next week. You've been listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Go Avs, go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.